And Farron Hand really getting it done tonight down low, working against Rasan Smith. Smith, five inches taller than Farron Hand, but Farron Hand is used to work against guys that are taller than him. When you play man-to-man defense, you take away some of the outside shots for Nevada, but when you play man against Nevada, you open up the inside for Farron Hand. If they think that one guy can guard him in there, it's going to be a tough, tough night. Great defense by Farron Hand. You'll see a lot more doubling down, I think, down low on the block against Farron Hand, and here comes the help. There's a behind-the-back pass that can hand. A lot of people know about his scoring, but his passing is equally adept in sometimes every bit as lethal. And a foul call. This one is a roll back here on the road in a packed Dillon Arena. And is 17, he leads everybody now. Hands up, body pressure one way, goes the other way. And Tarkanian's got to be thinking about a 20-second timeout. And with a fadeaway, and collects another rebound. And doing what he did in the first half. There's Hand. He has 27. Baron Hand, Paul Culbertson, engaged in conversation. What's up, everybody? Not my house. It's in the house. I'm your host, Eric, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Zach. Zach, what's going on this morning, my friend? I'm excited. It's a special one today. Our local listeners are going to love this one. I'm super excited. Big Wolfpack fan, so I just can't wait to get to it. Absolutely. He's a Philly legend who played his college hoops at Nevada. He was a Big West Player of the Year in the 1996-97 season at Nevada. He went on to have a successful career overseas. They call him Meatball back in Philly that we learned. Mr. Farron how are you doing today, sir? All right, all right. How y'all doing? We're doing great, man. Thanks for taking the time to come on the show today. I know this is going to be a fun one, especially for our diehard Nevada fans. Can you give our listeners an idea of where you're from and what was it like growing up there? Uh, well, I'm you know born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It was uh, it was challenging, you know, to, to say the least. Uh, had some fun parts, obviously. You know, a lot of lot of ups and and a few downs. Uh, but overall, you know, it's a gritty, uh, tough city. You know, it, it teaches you how to be tough. It uh, gives you, you know, a little bit of swag as well, you know, to go along with it. But uh, it was a good city to grow up in, I think. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, uh, back in the, I grew up in New Jersey, and back in the old days, we'd go to the vet and watch some Phillies baseball games, and uh, cannot believe they played on that concrete field. Them and the, uh, <laughs> them and the, uh, the Eagles, man, crazy. I mean, you got to be tough if you're playing on that type of astroturf. Um, what was your introduction to sports? Were you a little league baseball guy, or did you start right off with basketball? Uh, I was always into baseball, you know, but I was always a bigger size kid. So, you know, baseball really didn't fit the, the stature of my body. Uh, but, uh, I got into basketball around eight years old, something like that. And just fell in love with the game ever since. Yeah. And I'm curious, cause I was always in awe of how dominant you could be at your size inside with your scoring ability, but also your passing I felt was really special. So who are some of the guys that you really looked at and said, I want to play like that guy? Like, who did you try to emulate? Well, of course, you know, growing up in my era, you know, I was a huge, huge Magic Johnson fan, you know, from the time he uh, won his national championship in Michigan State until the time, you know, he did his thing in the pros. Uh, like James Worthy was another one. Charles Barkley, obviously, he was an idol of mine. Uh, you know, just guys like that, you know, I try to emulate my game after. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously the blacktop game is a big thing in Philly. I mean, can you talk about maybe the Sunny Hill League? Because I mean, we had Mark Jackson on and he said how competitive those games were. So can you give us an idea of what the Sunny Hill League meant to you and maybe just the overall blacktop game and what it meant for your development as a player? Well, starting on the blacktop, you know, that's where you really first uh, get introduced to the game for real, for real, you know, coming from the inner city. Uh, we don't really get a chance to go inside the gyms and stuff like that, not unless you're playing in the Sunny Hill League or something like that. But for me, you know, starting in the playground, you know, is really really where you get your toughness playing a game we used to play called Rough House, uh, where you could it's you against everybody else. You know, it's pretty much a one-on-one -on -one against whoever else playing type situation. So, you know, that teaches you the uh, the grit and the grime of the game. As uh, far as Sunny Hill goes, that's a different level. That's something uh, young Philly basketball players used to aspire to play at. I don't know if it's like that now, but I know for me, in my era coming up basketball, if you didn't play in the Sunny Hill League, you wasn't considered a good player. I'm going to just be honest with you. Uh, it was a little political, you know, just like anything in life. Uh, but at times, you know, the competition was just – just incredible. You know, it, it was just, you know, you it's a list full of people that you can name. I can sit here and name a million people all day long, but uh, it was great, great competition. And, and and Sunny Hill was definitely something you looked up to as far as a young uh, youth in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, that's what we hear from all of our guests from Philly. I mean, we hear names like Rasheed Wallace. I mean, Hank Gathers. I mean, the list goes on. Like you said, you could name it for, you know, hundreds of names. Um, yeah. But what about the actual high school hoop scene in Philly? I mean, did you uh, play against any familiar names? And what kind of player were you like in high school to give our listeners an idea? Uh, yes, you know, just like a person you just mentioned, uh, Rashid Wallace was was in my era. Uh, Hank Gathers was a little bit older than I was. Uh, you know, but all them guys played in the same public league uh, thing as I played in as well. Uh, that's a lot of guys. Aaron McKee. Uh, Oof, Jason Lawson. It's a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of guys. You know, I, I'll be here all day if I if I. But far as the competition, it was like I don't know. We used to say it was like the NBA. You know, for us, you know, in high school, because every gym, no matter where you went, you knew you was gonna get a competitive game. You knew somebody was gonna come at you and, and try to win. You know, so. So the, just the competition and just the love of the game is, is what really, you know, bring back a lot of memories for me. Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, out of all those names that you just listed, I mean, did you have a rival in high school? Is there maybe one guy that just got under your skin a little bit more than the other? I wouldn't say get under my skin uh, per se, but, you know, obviously Rashid Wallace, we, we have a, uh, a long history together. Uh, we've been playing against each other since we was like 13, 14 years old. Wow. So uh, he went to grads. So I went to Franklin Learning Center, and that was a tremendous rival. You know, the guy that you talked to as well, Mark Jackson, he uh, went to William Penn. Uh, Mark wasn't as polished as he became, you know, when he was in high school. He became obviously a tremendous player. You know, he made it to the NBA and stuff like that. But uh, he, he, uh, he was also, you know, fierce competition as well back then. But I would say Rashid Wallace, if I had to point point one person. Okay, I could see that him guaranteeing victories and all that. I could, I could see all, all don't that. Lie. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. 
Um, did you go to any of the big like Nike camps or ABCD or maybe the Pump Brothers? And if so, what kind of measuring stick was that for you as a player to see where you ranked with the best of the best? Uh, as far as the Nike, uh, I have my own opinions on that, and, and I'm not really going to get into all that uh, on the show today. Uh, it was political, I think, back then. I think my talent was obviously good enough in my mind and a lot of other people's mind that I should have been on that circuit as far as the uh, Nike and the ABCD and stuff like that. But I really got a chance to play with the pumps. You know, I know Dana and I know his brother. I know them well. Uh, Great guys, you know, great platform that they got in L.A. as far as, you know, putting young guys on. But, yes, actually to tell Vaughn, excuse me, a good friend of mine in Philadelphia as well, he pretty much introduced me to the Pump Brothers, you know, because he was out in California. And, you know, he he's a big recruiter as far as Philadelphia basketball as well. And, uh, yes, I got a chance to play with the Pumps, and, and that was a great, great experience. So I always get asked this question because I moved from New Jersey to Nevada, and I went to school in Nevada. Um, and people say, how did you get to Nevada from New Jersey? So how did you get to Philadelphia you know, from Philadelphia to Nevada, what was the recruiting process like? I mean, were there schools you were looking at, like Temple, Villanova? Like, what was the deciding factor that that brought you over west? Uh, that's funny that you mentioned that. Well, just as, I went to junior college at Dixie Junior College, which is in Utah. Uh, that was my first experience from leaving home, Philadelphia, you know, so it was a little bit of a culture shock at first. Uh, but it wound up being a great decision for me, a great place for me to play, you know. And I wound up playing with Jimmy Moore and uh, Ethan O'Brien, you know, which are Nevada alumni as well. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I played with them my freshman year. They were sophomores. And and Jason Glover was our assistant coach, which was a coach at Nevada as well. Uh, so he recruited them brought them in and it was kind of like, you know, he had the pipeline to us already because he was there a year before. So, you know, me and Coach Glove always had a great relationship. He actually recruited me to come to Dixie as well. And, uh, you know, I just felt comfortable with him. You know, I just felt like, you know, he had my best interest at heart at that time. And, uh, and, and I just made my decision on that. Obviously I had a, uh, a, a, fiance later, but girlfriend at the time on the West Coast. So, you know, I kind of wanted to stay close out there to be with her as well. So all that played a factor into it. But far as East Coast basketball, I wanted to come home. I wanted to come to a place where I could come and play here, you know, at least one or two games a year or something like that. But unfortunately, that never happened. But uh, I guess I wasn't getting recruited like I thought I was or should have been, you know, at, at the bigger schools here in Philadelphia, Villanova, uh, Temple, you know, LaSalle, you know, schools like that. I think I should have been a little bit more priority on a list, but that wasn't the case. And, uh, and obviously it wound up working out at Nevada for me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and mentioning the names you just mentioned, I, you know, I went to school from 92 to 96. So I definitely remember Ethan and, and Jimmy for sure. Um, do you uh what's your first what was your first impression of Reno? 
Because Reno's, you know, definitely, uh, definitely different. Was like, you know, was it awful, awful at one in the morning? Was it, you know, uh, what, what, what was the impression like of when you got there? Like, people are, you know, the casinos are open twenty four seven. Like, you know, oh, I haven't heard that in, a, in so long. An awful, awful brother. <laughs> you like that? That brings back a lot yeah. of memories. It's a, a throwback right there. Too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, to be honest with you. I was always a big fan. Uh, I, I don't really talk to about this too much anymore, you know, since I went to Reno. But I was supposed to go, and I was really hyped and, and, and wanting to go to UNLV. Sure. So I was a big guy, you know, as far as – I wasn't a casino gambling type guy, but just the atmosphere of it, you know, just the whole vibe. So, obviously, you know, if I can't go there, why not go – which is not second best, but just as good or, or better, you know. In my eyes, you know, I came there in 94 on a recruiting trip, and I had a blast. I, I had a, a tremendous time on my recruiting trip. Uh, and I, I haven't looked back since. I, I mean, I think I made a tremendous decision back then. Yeah, you know, I agree with you also. And in talking about UNLV, I mean, UNLV had that history, you know. I mean, Larry Johnson, Stacey Augman, all those great players in the late 80s, early 90s. So, you know, I remember when I came out to New Jersey, people thought I was going to UNLV. They had no idea there was another school in Reno. Reno. But you know what? You guys put us on the map and and had an amazing run. Was there a favorite memory or game that sticks out to you during your time in Nevada? Uh well, I, I ain't win the game that I really wanted to win, to be honest with you. And that was the obviously the Big West Championship. Uh, we was in it twice and kind of slipped through my hands both times. Uh, but that's history. But far as uh, – I'm sorry. What, you just threw me off. What was the question again? I was just asking what your favorite memory was. like, Or did you have like a yeah. game that you remember – you know, vividly in your yeah, mind. Yeah, that, that just threw me off because I just thought of a million different games. And sure. A million different scenarios that just sure. came through my mind. But obviously, I would say, mm, if I could pinpoint a game. Or a, mo- or a moment, you know, like a, like a. This was an extremely great moment. I mean, obviously, we, we was playing Nebraska my last game. In 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 uh in the in the center, uh, just the the electricity. I never felt the electricity in that building like that before. Before the game, like you could feel it in the locker room. Before we even stepped out on the floor, we could feel the energy and just what was inside the building. Uh, obviously, if we'd have won that game, we'd have went you know, to New York and I'd have got a chance to play in front of my family and stuff like that, which I really wanted to do. Uh, but just the excitement and the energy of that game is, is a is a real vivid memory in my mind still to this day. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you're in Big West Player of the Year, um, but Nevada wasn't getting the exposure back then that it does now. Um, were you getting looks from NBA scouts or what was the draft process like for you? Did you have any like memorable workouts or go to Portsmouth, like anything like that? Uh, once again, I'm gonna just leave it in the uh, political realm of things. Uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I haven't heard of anything. No one being a Big West Player of the Year, 
and not going to any of the uh, pre-draft camps. Yeah. I never heard of that. And I was one of them. I mean, I'm pretty sure it happened again. Uh, but I was definitely one of them guys who, who got brushed to the to the wayside or pushed to the wayside. I don't know. I don't really know what happened back then. I really thought my uh, talent was good enough to at least get me a few workouts, a few looks. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't happen. I didn't get any any looks, any calls, uh, for whatever reason. So I don't I don't know exactly what what that was all about. But I wound up playing ten years professionally overseas, and uh, and it it worked out. You know, it worked out. Yeah, I mean, you get paid to do what you love. I mean, that's the ultimate yeah. win right there. And I mean, no G League back then, just not not a whole lot of minor league systems back then to really show your exposure. But uh, what what was your experience playing overseas? I think it's always interesting for our listeners to kind of hear about how guys end up in certain leagues or certain countries and finding the right agent, uh, things like that. So what can you share with us about the process of what your overall experience is like uh, playing overseas? It was, it was a good one. It wasn't what I really wanted. Some of the stuff, excuse me, some of the stuff that was uh, in different countries, you know, it, you got to get used to it. just the language. It's the, uh, it's the culture. It's the environment. It's, it's a lot to deal with at first. But once you finally get your niche or find your niche, you know, this is for all the young guys who, who, who aspire to play overseas. If you can find a country that likes you and you can find your niche, then that would be the perfect scenario and situation for you. You know, so I unfortunately bounced around from country to country, which was great with me because I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen the country. Ooh, I've seen... A lot. I've seen every continent, you know, I was blessed enough to be able to do that. Uh, the money was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. You know, I was able to support my family and stuff like that through the years that I was playing. So, so it was, it was for me, it was, it was very good. And, and also, like you said, as far as the agent situation, if you can find an agent early, somebody that's well-respected, somebody that you know, that can get you in situations where you ain't got to work as hard, you know, as a player, that's what you want to look for as well. But yeah. uh, for me, it was good. I, I had a great experience playing overseas. Yeah. And that's awesome that you got to play in so many different countries. And I mean, see the world because we hear from a lot of listeners, that it's almost like a paid vacation where you just get to go see different <laughs> cultures and, you know, all the, all these crazy things. And, you know, one of my favorite questions I love asking uh, everybody who's played in another country is, What's the craziest experience that you had playing overseas, whether it whether it's in the game, in the arena, uh, or just living in a, in a different country? Like, what's that one memory that will always come to mind? Well, I have to start off saying uh, the Czech Republic, I played over there three, two and a half years. It was obviously the best country to for me at, at the time I was playing. Uh, beautiful, beautiful country. You know, people wouldn't expect when you say Czech Republic, but if you ever get a chance to go to Prague and visit Prague, I, I recommend that totally. I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So secondly, as uh, far as my weirdest moment, I was in Dominican Republic. Uh, it was like a summer league type type situation. You know, I was done. I forget where I came from. Uh, and then I decided to go there for the summer. So I went there, played. It was okay. In that league, it was like two different leagues. So 
So that league was over with the one I went down there for. So I wound up going to the other league as well, which is a little bit lower class. But, you know, I just wanted to stay in shape and stay in the country, to be honest with you. <clears throat> so that's where the paid vacation came in and the play during, the, during that summer. So we come into the gym and they're smoking in the gym. Yep. We've heard that a lot. <laughs> yep. Like, I'm like, well, no, nah, we ain't about to play no basketball here. And it's a cloud <laughs> of smoke around the court. So not only did the smoke just mess with you, but that when they get rowdy and they get the real, you know, aggressive, they start throwing stuff on the court. So they throwing uh, empty cups, beer cans, uh, whatever you can think of, they throwing it on the court. So now the court is all slippery and nasty. And, and it's funny that because they, they actually thought they was going to play. We was going to continue the game and, and play on that type stuff. We hear so many amazing stories about overseas people. I think, you know, if you tune into the show and you don't know about that, you're going to be surprised to hear these stories because we hear all the smoking or like fans lighting up coins and then throwing the coins on the court, like lit up so they're like hot, you know, like, I mean, we've heard some insane stuff, you know, guys getting pulled off, you know, like going through checkpoints where guys are coming on with machine guns onto the buses and all sorts of crazy stuff, man. I want to ask you, who, in your opinion, and it could be a guy that, that people don't know because, you know, we got the internet, it's always cool to look up and learn about players. Who was that guy that was the overseas guy? Like, who was the Michael Jordan overseas when you played over there? Was there one guy that everybody's like, this is the guy that you can remember? Uh, I was in Taiwan, and they had a Taiwanese player that they thought was <laughs> similar to Michael Jordan as uh, far as Taiwanese basketball went. He was, he was a good player. You know I mean, he wasn't as tall as Jordan. But he was an athletic player. He, he was very talented, in my in my opinion. Uh, but far as the guy that was overseas playing, Michael Jordan S. Nah, nah, nothing, nobody right? Come, no, nobody that can, like. Oh, I remember that guy. He no, nah, none of that. I, I mean, I I met several great players, sure, you know, overseas and stuff like that. But but nobody really stood out to be a a. Uh, Michael Jordan type player to me. Gotcha. Oh. Yeah, we hear like uh, from from some of the older players. We hear like Tony Kukoc was like was legit, and like people don't understand how amazing that guy actually was playing overseas before he came, you know, and played in the NBA. It was like two different players basically. Even to Tony had a great career in the NBA. They just say he was something to see. Draws in. There's you know certain guys you hear about. Um, Dino Rasha told us about that. What um when did you know it was time to hang up? Which is always the hardest thing to do. And um, did you know what you wanted to do after basketball? Did you have that idea brewing before you hung it up, or was that something you had to figure out after? No, coaching. You know, I, nice. I, I definitely wanted to remain around the game. You know, I've been coaching here in Philadelphia for the last 10 years. I was at community college. I finished up there right before the pandemic and stuff like that. I was supposed to go back down there this year, but, you know, it, it was a mix-up in the paperwork and stuff like that. But, uh Coaching was definitely the, the thing for me. You know, anything that was going to be able to keep me around the game, keep me in that locker room, you know, just keeping that 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 feeling alive, you know, inside of me. 
Uh, but yeah, as far as that, um, I, I really, I wish I'd have did it a little bit sooner, you know, as far as hanging it up. I felt as though I could have played a couple more years, to be honest sure. with you. Uh, the money wasn't great, you know, so I'd have pretty much been going wherever I would decide to go for. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't sure. worth it. I finished, I forget how exactly how old I was, 33, 34, somewhere around there. But the good thing about it, I could tell you this, and and growing up in Philadelphia and, and being in Philadelphia, the competition level of basketball never felt fell off. So saying what what I mean by that is when I was done retired playing basketball professionally, it was so many leagues in Philadelphia. Like it was so much, so many guys that just finished playing as well in my era that still had that love and passion to continue to play the game. That's awesome. So so with that being said, I still continue to play to this day, you know, to stay in some kind of shape, you know, and I, I still get the same enjoyment. I still have the same love and, and passion for it. it. It's just it's just something that was inbred in me since a young child and it's just something to stay with me all this time. So, you know, basketball has meant a lot to me. It's, it's shown me a lot. It's given me a lot. It, it taught me a lot. You know, it's just, it's just my life, you know, and that's what I chose to, to have it at. You know? you know, what I love about that statement too is, is like you definitely went through some adversity talking to you today, right? You know, with your career and where your career went. But it's cool that you never lost the love of the game because we do hear from a lot of guys where, you know, things go south or something happens that they don't think is going to happen, whether it's an injury or whether it's just, you know, the politics of it, right? And and they lose the love for the game. So I'm really happy for you, man, that you never lost the love of the game. That's that's something whatever you do in life when you're happy, don't – you got to remember, I always tell my students this, I'm a music teacher, uh, you know, besides a podcaster, and I always say – don't let anybody take away the love that you had for the instrument when you first started. And it's the same same thing with almost anything you do. Don't let people take the love of basketball away from you, you know, just because they think they can with the politics and the business side of it too, right? We hear a lot of stories about the business side and how how ruthless the business side can be, like guys finding out they got traded on Sports Center or, you know, guys getting released and not even knowing, hearing it from somebody else on the team and you know, it, it, I mean, that stuff's got to get cleaned up because it's it's not it's not right to be honest with you. Um, so you're coaching, which I think is awesome. You uh, you ever get out to visit Nevada at all? I came out there. A guy from Philadelphia named Alonzo. He had a prep school, and that was the last time I came out there. I forget exactly when that was, but it wasn't. Was it 2017? I forget, I forget exactly when, but that was probably the last time I was in Reno. I have, uh, you know, fraternity brothers and stuff like that. Matt Williams is, is my fraternity brother. Also alumni for Nevada yeah. as well. Uh, you know, so I keep, try to communicate with him as best I can. I need to reach out to him, actually, as we speak now and just see how things are going for him out there with him and his family. Uh, but as far as... Um, Reno, you know, I try to come out there whenever I can. You know, I haven't been out there in a while, you know, but we actually, I'm sorry, I take that back. We was actually planning a trip. Uh, it was supposed to be in May, but it wound up being in March. So most likely I'll be coming out there in May of sometime this, you know, once you I get everything situated. 
your mind's going to be blown when you come out here, man. It's there's about six hundred thousand people out here now. I heard <laughs> it's grown <laughs> like, and and no awful awful man. They they shut it. They oh, shut it down. <laughs> yeah. So no no one a.m. burgers uh, for you anymore. Exactly. <laughs> now I gotta find another spot now. Wow. Oh, there's spots now. It's insane how many. It seems like a restaurant pops open every ten minutes. And and you know what? We do a lightning round if you don't mind. Zach's gonna ask the questions, but I'm gonna steal Zach's thunder and ask the first question because I'm curious about this. Pat Gino's or what's the best other Philly cheesesteak you can get in Philly? I mean, I say uh, out-of-towners debate. Uh, we we don't debate, you know, because we have so many different spots. But I would say Max's, you know, which is Kevin Hart's place right now, has great uh, cheesesteaks. And a place called Iskabibbles as well has uh, great chicken cheesesteaks as well. Okay. Uh, my first question to you is, is there any meaning behind the number 34? It was just a good number. You know, obviously, I said Charles Barkley was was an idol of mine as well. You know, I was contemplating which one, either 32 or 34. Uh, obviously, my game was a little bit more Charles Barkley-esque. So I, I decided to to keep that number for that. Okay. And uh, I'm curious, how'd you get the nickname Meatball? Who coined it? And uh, what's the story behind that? <laughs> Long story short, uh, my uncle, when I was first born, uh, when I came out, he said I look like a meatball. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing because it was Mark Jackson that told us that, right? Yeah, it was Mark yeah. Jackson. Yeah, He's like, Mark "Oh, you mean Jackson. meatball?" <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what he said. <laughs> uh, favorite hangout spot in Reno when you lived here, and why? Ooh, favorite hangout spot. That, wow. That's a loaded question. I know. Yeah. A Very loaded question. I don't know if I should answer that one, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to definitely answer it uh, politically correct. Uh, <laughs> I had several spots. I had several spots that I like to go to. You know, any spot that we, me and my teammates can get together and, and hang out and, and, you know, and fraternize and stuff like that, you know, is, is a good spot for me. I can't pinpoint one spot. I know we used to go to a place. Oh, man, that was right off the highway. You used to go up at the end of Reno. I forget, Tropicana or something. Then you make a left. It was, it was one of them spots off of there, somewhere off of Tropicana. Probably Reno Live, too, back then, I'm assuming. Reno Live? I don't remember, actually. Down, downtown, probably Babinga, maybe. There's some. There were some definite spots was back a, then. There were so many spots in the yeah. casino back then. Yeah, so yeah. many. Like it was just, it was just exciting to be around that stuff, you know, and just, just having fun. That it was always, you know, that's the one thing about a casino and, and and people in casinos. It's always excitement in the air. It's always, you know, people looking to have a good time. So you know, I like that vibe. So that's that's why I used to yeah. go to that spot. Absolutely. Or when you walk out of the casino and it's morning, you're like, oof. <laughs> hey, yeah, there's no window, so you don't know until you walk out the door. <laughs> yeah, had a couple of those nights. Oh, um, sure. you had to if you live in Reno. <laughs> oh, for uh, sure. For sure. Um, any weird superstitions that you had as a player or a teammate that come to mind? Mm. Everybody had their little weird things. I used to notice at the free throw line, you know, everybody would normally do different stuff. I think Tutu, Richard Brown used to do some things. Uh, maybe Tim Barnett, he used to do something a little different. Um, but I would say that's when I really kind of noticed, you know, guys would be doing different stuff. For me, um, no, just 
I, I guess three dribbles. I used to do three dribbles at the line, then shoot. Then I switched it back to one. So it, 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 no superstitions for me. You know, I just go out there and play the game. No pregame one, like you always had to eat like a fruit roll-up or like a donut <laughs> before the game or like weird stuff. Like we've had guys like say that they would put – one guy said he would put his earrings in his socks – before he play and i'm thinking how does that not cut your feet all game long like i don't understand that like you we've heard some weird ones man like you right. no no weird superstitions though like anything you had to no, do no no no, no. I, I i mean i used to do my normal routine for i used to wear two pairs of socks if, depending on if i get taped just not sure uh nothing if i maybe put a, a wristband on or something i don't you know I'm not, it really wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like that for you yeah <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. I had to do this every single day before the game. Right. <laughs> it wasn't that deep. The game was too fun. Sure. So, you know. For sure. Uh, who's your toughest cover as a player? Like, who's the one guy that you just couldn't figure out how to guard? Uh, I was, you know, taller people, taller comp competitors, you know, around 6'11", 6'10", 7-foot guys, you know, because I'm only 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, so, you know, I would just body him the best I can. But as far as a, a, a certain player, you know, we had several players that, that had talent where you had to know you had a, a, a challenge in front of you no matter what. So it was it was several players. You know, I, I can't really pinpoint one, but, you know, it was, it was a lot of guys, you know, you go at them, they coming right back at you, and that's just the game. You know, you just got to be ready for it. That's all. For sure. And uh, my final question to you, I ask everybody this, but what's your favorite basketball memory? If, if you had to pick just one, what's that one memory that always comes to mind? Uh, this is this is an easy one for me. Uh, we've been playing, uh, you know, I went to the championship here in Philadelphia uh, three straight years, my sophomore year to my senior year. We lost my sophomore year and we lost my junior year. You know, it was political. It was, it was a bad call. You know, I'm going to just say it was what it was. It was a bad call. We should have won one of them years. But anyway, so I was very, very, very determined to win the championship in 92. So that was my by far fondest memory to date as uh, far as winning a uh, championship because it meant it meant so much to me. And, and to top it off, it had the, the cherry on, on the cake to say, is I can remember after winning the championship, you know, feeling that that joy and finally getting that monkey off my back. I can look in the stands and on the second level, I remember seeing my mother and she was just, just in joy, you know, cause she'd been through it with me the whole time. And that that is the finest memory. That, and also seeing her when she came to Reno as well was, was another great memory for me. Cause she, she came to see her son play, and she got the chance to do all that stuff. So I, I was very happy about that one. That's an awesome memory, man. It's always it's always cool to, you know, see people important like your mom or dad in the stands, you know, when you have a great game or something as, as important as a championship and, and, and get to that next level of playing. Did they ever come see you play overseas? No, unfortunately, no. Nope. Now, let me ask you one more question, if you don't mind. Is there anything you'd like to add or promote? Add or promote? Uh, I would like to 
not add, but just try to figure out what's uh, as far as the Hall of Fame, Reno Hall of Fame. I was just que- was questioning, you know, how that process works, or I feel as though I'm eligible. I I, I feel as though I've been eligible. I don't know how that process works, as far as uh, but I would like to complete my uh, time off in Reno by doing something like that. You know, if I can possibly get into the hall, you know, finally, you know, I would I would definitely look forward to something like that. Well, you. You're definitely deserving of it because I think my my freshman year of college, I'm pretty sure the football team won more games than the basketball team did. So the turnaround again, because you know they were good in the early '80s, turnaround again definitely happened during your era. So um, we'll see if we can get a, get a hold of Chris Murray or somebody, you know, and see see what uh, see what we can do to to get you in the right channels to make that happen, my friend. Before uh, before we let you go. I really enjoyed talking to you. It's always nice talking to an alum, and uh, and really you were gracious with your time today, which we really appreciate. Zach, is there anything you want to add before we let Farron out of here? Yeah, I just want to say thanks for the time. I mean, we've heard uh, your name always comes up anytime we get a guest from Philly. I mean, you're always one of the first names that pop up, so uh, it's just an honor to have you. And, I mean, being a Wolfpack alumni, I know this is going to be a fun one for our local listeners too. So just thanks for the time. And I go back with, with Matt. I go way back with Matt and Ethan, too. So this is a fun one for me. So I appreciate it. Gotcha. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, Farron. We really appreciate it, man. Stay safe out there and keep doing good. Absolutely. Wolfpack for life. Right on, man. Thank you. Thank you. What a fun, fun, fun interview. Farron was awesome. And you know what? We are a Reno-based uh, podcast that obviously we have, if you've listened, you know that we have interviewed so many people, Hall of Famers, you know, college basketball players, pros, and whatnot. But it's always a joy to interview somebody in our own backyard. So I, I loved all the stories. He got he got really stoked about the uh, awful awful, which you know we talked some local. So if you're not a local, awful awful was one of the best. Uh, I don't want to call it fast food, but one of the best burger joints in in Reno, Nevada, for a long time, and it was uh, very eclectic. You could you know everybody would be waiting for a burger at one in the morning, two in the morning. That was a spot you'd go after uh, after you got done out in the town on a Friday or Saturday or Tuesday night or whatever, because Reno's always open. Um, but what a great guy, man! Super enjoy the conversation. Yeah, I know, and uh, awful, awful definitely brings back good memories for me. I mean, that's the biggest, tastiest burger you can get in Reno, and it's just sad that they closed down, unfortunately. But it was just cool to learn from him. I mean, he he uh, he played through a special era of Philly hoops. I mean, like you said, the Hank Gathers, uh, the Mark Jacksons, or Rasheed Wallace's. I mean, I mean, the list goes on. So to be able to have him, I mean, he's a legend over in Philly, and I don't know if our local listeners really understand that. So it's just really cool to kind of learn more about that and kind of put a lot more respect on his name we got to get him in the hall man i mean he deserves to be in that hall of fame i mean player of the year put put nevada on the map i mean that guy deserves a spot in the hall so we gotta we gotta make that happen yeah i agree with you man people don't realize i think some of the younger generation don't realize how how much of a dry spell we did have in basketball you know how much we were overshadowed by unlv and uh that that generation that that Farron played you know those years that he played here was really the the catalyst to kind of kickstart Nevada doing amazing things in terms of you know going to the tournament NIT you know getting all the way I mean it's amazing what I saw when I first started going to college and what I saw after with how much that that program grew I mean it's amazing think of the coaches NBA coaches have coached oh, yeah. at Nevada I mean I mean that's insane it's 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 amazing it's well overdue so hopefully uh 
see if we can get Chris Murray to 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 talk about him in one of his columns and get him on there. Um, man, just great, great stories. Uh, the Rashid one was great, right? It was very cool to hear about Rashid because, you know, Rashid obviously amazing, amazing basketball player. And just to think, you're playing against that guy since you were 13. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, that's and, insane. And, and what and what Hand did at his size, I mean, he played center and you know a little bit of power forward. I mean, it's six foot six. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was a great talent and his passing is very underrated. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I definitely remember him. I was a little bit young when he played, but I definitely remember him and everybody I talked to said that he was a hell of a player. And, uh, Oh, absolutely. was, especially yeah. at his height. You're, and that's the thing, man, you know, you know, we've both done it. You guard guys that have a good five, six inches on you. That's a, that's a problem. You know right. what I mean? That's it's especially back to the basket type guys. That's a problem to stop, man. You're not blocking oh, yeah. many shots. You're not. I mean, you've got to use your weight. You've got to use leverage. There's so many things you've got to use. Um, and to be player of the year at that size, playing that position, man, that says a lot. I mean, that says oh, yeah. absolutely a lot. Uh, let's talk about how many wonderful things have been happening with the podcast. We're back in the swing of things after taking a little bit of time off, enjoying the holidays. You guys have been awesome. It's been really nice to see the numbers going up and up and up and charting in a bunch of different places again. It's just been great. So thanks for all the support. You know, the support that you guys give, sharing stuff on social media is the reason we get guys like Farron on the show. I mean, we've got more guys in the pipeline. We've, you know, had some great conversations lately and uh, we, we appreciate you guys listening. If you want to help us out and give a little review on Apple Podcasts, that makes a big deal. Subscribing helps out too because then you know when the latest episode is coming right to you in your inbox wherever you listen to your podcast so any love you can give us would be great zach before we get out of here is there anything you want to add uh just big thanks to mr hand i mean it was an honor and it was uh just really cool for him dropping some familiar names that i knew it's always just fun to get a nevada alumni so i just really appreciate him and thanks to the listeners it's awesome that we're you know charting in 20 plus countries it's it's amazing man and uh i just can't wait to put more uh more good episodes with, with solid messages out there Absolutely, man. We get a lot of solid messages and a lot of people giving back. And you know what? In today's day and age, man, if you can give back and you have that opportunity, it doesn't have to be with cash, man. It could be just getting your hands dirty and, you know, being on the front lines, helping out. You know what I mean? There's a lot of good things you can be doing. A lot of these players are showing that they're being role models and leading, not following. And I think that's super important nowadays. So, ladies and gentlemen, be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Thanks for listening to the pod. Stay safe out there. Peace. Peace.